John chapter 13 tonight, and uh, I'm going to read a verse of scripture to you. And uh, uh, this is the month that uh, um, we all set aside. We, we're supposed to talk about love, and uh, it's all about those type of things and uh, loving those that are around us. And rather than trying to uh, be, uh, I'm not going to be all mushy or anything like that, but it's definitely going to be a little off my normal trek of what uh, I say and uh, hopefully a little bit from the heart and uh, all of them I, I try to uh, <clears throat> speak to you from my heart and what God would uh, have me to say uh, as it relates to that but uh, to love like Christ tonight uh, the uh, Christ uh, love in you and uh, how he expects us I think to love it's been said that a person's greatest need is to be loved and to be able to show and to give love to others. And uh, as uh, we look at this, you'll, you'll recognize uh, the scripture, many of you will, if you've uh, read this. And uh, having that kind of love that uh, we have, one of the last commandments that uh, the last commandment that Christ gave before uh, he uh, was arrested, went on trial, and was crucified. He gave one, the last commandment uh, in this chapter you'll read here. And I'll let you stay seated tonight. Uh, verse 34 is that uh, commandment. He said in <clears throat> John chapter 13, verse 34, He said, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. And uh, God, I just ask you to uh, speak through me. Help me to say, uh, Lord, that which would be pleasing in your sight, not to gain any uh, uh, acknowledgement from anybody uh, in the crowd, but that you would be pleased with it. And uh, Lord, if you're pleased with it, it was all worthwhile. Now, God, uh, guide and direct us. We uh, thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ tonight. It's in his name I make my prayer. Amen. In Bible times, there was a wonderful custom uh, that was there. And if you have read the first part of this chapter, you know what that uh, uh, custom was. And uh, I'm going to read the, the first uh, few verses here. It says in... in uh, Verse 1 of chapter 13, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, <clears throat> having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he arises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And we know the story here as it uh, goes on. It talks about uh, Jesus <clears throat> uh, washing the disciples' feet and uh, how he did it. And we know what uh, Peter uh, <clears throat> did there. And people uh, of this time, the, the, the customary thing, they wore sandals. And uh, they, they, they didn't live like we live. And the, the things that we have, the shoes that we have that are closed-toed and the, the socks and stuff that we have on our feet. And uh, a lot of dust, a lot of grit, a lot of grime and things that were there. And if someone were to come in a well-to-do house 
at, at this period of time. Generally, there would have been a servant there who would have had a basin of water and they would have taken that basin of water and they would have washed that person's feet before they come into that house. And Jesus instituted the Last Supper uh, here just before the Passover and Jesus knew that his hour had come and uh, uh, <clears throat> he knew that he was going to be crucified and he knew that Judas was going to betray him uh, while he was there. And when Jesus and his disciples went into the house for the Last Supper, there was no servant to wash their feet. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I find it uh, kind of intriguing as you read that, that of all the disciples that were there, not one of them offered to wash the other's feet. None of them offered to wash Jesus' feet. And if that was the custom at that time and the thing that you would do, uh, you know, uh, it's just like opening the door for an elderly person or doing something that you're supposed to do uh, that would be customary in our time. It would have been customary in that time. None of the disciples offered to wash Jesus' feet. And who was the one that offered to wash their feet? Jesus Christ. He took off his outer garments. He laid them aside. No one volunteered for that task except for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He was the one that volunteered to do that. Jesus, the Lord of glory, knowing that he had come from God and that he was going to God, and that the Father had committed all things into his hands, washed the feet of his disciples while they were there in that room. What a testimony of a servant and of a love for those that were around him, those that were going to deny him, those that were going to betray him, and Jesus knew that that hour was come and he was going to be betrayed. But Jesus showed love unto them in being the form of a servant. Thus, I think, why verse 34 comes into play that he says, I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. And Jesus showed them that love and the kind of love and to see if it's true, uh, going to be true in, in the hearts and lives of those that are there. Some things that I see in what Jesus has done here in this portion of Scripture and we read it and we gloss over it sometimes and, and the things that are there. But I think to love like Christ is to have an unselfish love. Many of us are preoccupied with ourselves today and, and, the, and the things that uh, uh, come our way. You go into any bookstore, you go into any place that carries uh, books about uh, in, in a, <clears throat> the magazine racks or the things that are there. Most are on their phones today. They don't even know what a book rack is anymore. But uh, it, it's all about self-love, self-esteem, self-glory, self-fulfillment. How can I fulfill something in myself? Our society today is based upon these things. 
and, and we, uh, we, we focus upon that. The Lord Jesus Christ humbled himself and did the labor of a slave or a servant of that day. That's what he did in, in doing that for his disciples. And it wasn't without significance that he rose from supper and he laid aside his garments. He laid aside his garments. He says, uh, <clears throat> he rises from supper in verse 4, and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. That's symbolic of what he did when he left glory. When Jesus Christ left glory, he laid aside the garments of righteousness and the things that he had and the glory that he had, and he humbled himself and came down here and gave his life for you and I. He gave he give his life for us. And uh, it was symbolic of that. And we, we see that in Philippians. Paul talks about it, that he humbled himself and became obedient even unto the death of the cross in order that you and I could have salvation tonight. That's love, folks. That's love. It's not the love that the world gives tonight. It's the love that my Savior gives tonight. What a love that we have in Jesus Christ tonight. If we could love like Christ loved and the love that he showed to those that would deny him, those that would betray him, those that would despitefully use him for who he was in order for them to get their gain in this life. That's love. It's not the superficial love that we see out here. Jesus is co-equal. He's co-eternal. He's co-essential with God the Father. Do you understand tonight that Jesus was part of the Trinity? And he come from glory. And, 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 and he humbled himself and did that. He stepped out of heaven and went from sovereignty to slavery. He was treated as a slave in those things. He became himself and became obedient. In contrast, we read about it. Satan in the Bible, uh, you know, he said in his pride that he wanted to ascend and be like the Most High. That's what Satan wanted to do. And that's what we as Christians oftentimes want to do too. We want to ascend and be like the Most High. We want to be the one put on a pedestal. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. It always has been about Jesus Christ. In the beginning, God... It's about God tonight. It's not about me and you. It's not about what I can gain from it. It's not about what glory I can get, my name in the paper, my name on the TV screen, my name anywhere. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. The disciples we see, <clears throat> as we know that the Lord Jesus came from something and, and he made of himself no reputation and, you know, we like to talk about, and I've caught myself in this sometimes too, we like to talk about how we come from nothing and we became something. Well, Jesus came from something and he became nothing. That's what, that's what it amounts to. I am nothing. I am the dust of the ground. God breathed life into, into this body. I am nothing. But what God, I'm by the grace of God, I am what I am tonight. And we all are. That's love, folks. That's love. 
And that's compassion that he had. We see that over in Luke chapter 22, you read about the disciples and, and uh, John and James, and they, they, were, they were there and they were fighting for reputation. Who would uh, sit at the right hand of the Father? Who was going to be that? Jesus, uh, you know, uh, never said that we couldn't be great. He never said not to be great. He just said to make sure that real greatness is what we get when we get Jesus Christ. That's the greatness that we get in this life. And real greatness is service tonight. Serving our Lord and Savior. And he wants you to be a servant above all. We talk about this. We've got these mottos that are up here and those things. But real greatness is service to the Lord Jesus Christ tonight. I get no greater joy in this life than serving my Savior and doing something that he is pleased with. Not what Kim is pleased with. Because if I please my Savior, I please my wife. If I please my Savior, I'll please my son. I'll please those that are around me. I'll please my pastor if I please the Savior tonight. That's service. Serving God. And humility is not thinking lowly of yourself. We like, oh, no, that's nothing. I didn't... No, that's, that's not humility tonight, folks. Humility uh, is uh, not saying that you're no good. Jesus is the greatest act of humility. He washed the disciples' feet. He was a servant to, to do that. He wasn't thinking lowly of himself. Look what he said in verse 3. He said, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. He didn't do it. He humbled himself. He knew what was going on. He was uh, part of the Trinity. He, was, he knew what was going to happen. Tonight, you are somebody. You can lay aside your pride. Real love is unselfish. It's unselfish. You're not thinking about yourself when you do it in real love. Romans 12, 3, if you read in that chapter of Romans, you are by what you are by the grace of God. The grace of God exalts a person without inflating him, and it humbles a person without debasing him. Therefore, we're free to serve. Grace is God's acceptance of me. God accepts me because of that grace, not because of my goodness, because of God's grace. He accepts me tonight and he loves me because of that, <clears throat> but not because of my goodness. We know that, Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward me and yet while I was a yet sinner, Christ died for me. We know that he loves me and it's by his grace that he does love me. He can love me because of his grace. I'm unlovable. Ask anybody. Ask my wife. I'm unlovable at times. There's times that I am lovable, but there's times I'm not. God loves me all the time. Thank God for that tonight. By faith, faith is my acceptance of God's acceptance of me. I accept that God accepts me tonight. He accepts me in the beloved. I'm part uh, of him tonight. I'm part of that family tonight. And because of that tonight, I can have some peace. Knowing all the things that are going on around me, all the things that are going on in the world tonight. When we see the grace of God and put our faith in the grace of God, then for the first time, the peace of God can come into our hearts. We can 
take that and have some peace about that. We stop trying ourselves and we start trusting in what God can do in our lives. We start taking the verses that we know, the verses that we've memorized and trust in the Lord with all that heart, not leaning under Mike's understanding, acknowledge God in all his ways and he'll, he'll, he'll bring it to pass. God knows what I need and when I need it and who I need it from. I need his love tonight. You know, there's some that say we're not supposed to love ourselves. And I don't say this <clears throat> from a, a, a gloating standpoint. But I don't think that that's quite right. Because I think that we are to love ourselves, <clears throat> but not love the faults that we have. And the things that are, we're, we're to hate those things. He teaches us to love the sinner and hate the sin. And the things that are there, the, the things that God hates. And it isn't talking about egotism and being egotistical. God loves us. And it's all right to love what God loves, loves as well. God loves you. And if God loves you, then you ought to love yourself for what God has done for you. And, and the things that are there. The Bible says that we are to love one another as we love ourselves. You go over to Matthew chapter 22 and you can read and you see that. If we don't love ourselves, we can't love others. And that's you getting right with the Lord Jesus Christ tonight and being in good standing with him and being where you should be in your walk with him. You say, well, how do I love myself? you got to understand that we are what we are by the grace of God. That's what we are. And, and God gives every one of us an opportunity to be that. Uh, I don't have to try to be the greatest. I can show love to anybody in the room because I'll never run out of that love because the more love that I give those that are around me, the more love that Christ gives me. The more love that I give, the more love Christ will shed upon me. He says he daily loaded me with the benefits that I need. God wants me to love those that are around me. I don't love what they do most of the time, but I tell you this, I still love them. I love my worst enemy tonight if I've got one. And there's plenty of them out there that want to blame you for things, that want to set you in a, in, in a bad corner tonight. But I love them. I love them because God's grace allows me to love them. There's nothing wrong with that. An unselfish love. Not being concerned about number one tonight. Not about me. It's not about me. It's real humility. Unbounded love. And pride cannot dwell in that heart that has unbounded love. You can't have pride in your heart. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Pride will take you down. Only in pure humility can there be a genuine love. You want to love your wife more tonight? Humble yourself. You want to love your <clears throat> husband more tonight? Humble yourself. You want to love those that are around you, those that have wronged you? Humble yourself. It's okay. It's okay to take it. The Lord Jesus Christ took everything that we could not take in order that we could have salvation in his precious son tonight. To love like a Christian tonight is to have an unwavering love as well. Jesus knew that the crucifixion was near. He's doing all this right before he's, he's going to be crucified. Jesus didn't stop loving them, those that were there. He kept on loving on them. 
that wayward child tonight, that one that's gone astray, that one that you just don't think there's any chance. Miss Lisa mentioned it this morning uh, that her mother had prayed for somebody or they prayed for somebody for over 12 or 13 years that God would straighten that situation out. And God answered that prayer after 12 or 13 years. That's because somebody didn't quit loving that one that needed that prayer. And that's our duty to pray. It's not your duty to answer the prayer. It's your duty to pray. God has given us that. If we examine the lives of the disciples here and see what the disciples, we find out that they weren't that lovable. They weren't a lovable bunch. Maybe our disciples are lovable. The apostles, they are with Daryl in the group. That's for sure. Peter cursed. He swore. He denied Jesus. James and John, they talked about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They were filled with fear, but Jesus kept on loving. Many times we excuse ourselves for loving others. We bark and we snap at other people. I catch myself doing this, barking and snapping at somebody because my day hasn't went the way that I think that it should have gone. I had to deal with something in my life that brought me some anxiety. Therefore, I'm barking and snapping at those that are around me. You didn't see Jesus barking and snapping at those that were around him. He knew what was getting ready to come. And what did Jesus do? He humbled himself and he washed those feet of those that were getting ready to take him to the cross. I think that's an example of love. I think that's love that we sure don't see in our society today. You won't see that kind of love outside those doors. We call it a dog-eat-dog world, an entitlement. I'm entitled to this. I live in the period of my rights. I've got my rights. You ain't got any rights, but the, the, the rights that God has given you, and you better take advantage of the right that you have right now to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior is what I would tell you. As Jesus faced the cross, he showed love. He knew that the hour was coming and he was going to be crucified. Still, he steadfastly loved him. If our so-called love can't stand the test of excruciating times, then I don't think we have real love at all. Any pagan can love when times are good. Man, when things are good at home, when me and Kim, when the... When we were first married there, you know, when I got my paycheck on Friday and it run out on Monday, man, it was good Saturday and Sunday. But boy, come Monday and the rest of the week, man, it was, you better get out of my way. It was snappy. It was, it was cut. And, and, and we live our lives that way. And any, anybody can love when, it, when, when things are good. It's when things are bad. That's what shows the character of true love and your genuineness in the love that's there. It's a <clears throat> unwavering. No matter what you do, Jesus is never going to let you go. Having loved his own, he loved them all the way to the end. Look at verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour has come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, what did he do? He loved them to the end. No matter what you do, Jesus is never going to let you go. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Neither death nor life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come. 
height, depth, or any other creature can separate us tonight from the love of God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And God does love you. The devil tells us that we've messed up. The devil tells us that we've blown it. And God doesn't love you anymore for those things. God does love you. Nothing can separate you from that love. You are sealed unto the day of redemption. And God loves you tonight. It doesn't matter. I don't care what they say. I know that God loves me. Because the Bible tells me so. What are you putting your faith in tonight? There's nothing you can do that will make him love you any more. There's nothing that you can do that will make you <clears throat> him love you any less. He doesn't love us because we're lovely. He loves us because of his grace. That's why God loves you tonight. To love like a Christian is to show a serving love. 1 John 3.18, My little children, let us not love in word, <clears throat> neither in tongue, but in deed and truth. We're not just to love in word, but in deed and in truth. Real love knows no job that is too lowly to do. You know, the feet that Jesus washed included Judas' feet. I find that hard for me to accept in my flesh, knowing that the one that was going to betray me and I would be washing his feet. Real love knows no job that's too lowly. Jesus said to bless those that persecute us and to do good to them that despitefully use us. Jesus didn't practice what he preached. He preached what he practiced. Take that in for a minute. <clears throat> he preached what he practiced. And we oftentimes, we like to preach a good line, but we don't practice it. We don't do it, and we ought to do it. The disciples didn't deserve to have their feet washed, but Jesus knew the love that they needed. You know, there's people that need love tonight. There's somebody that needs love around you tonight. They may not deserve it, but they need it. If all people in our churches had... <clears throat> a love like Christ and we not have to beg for people to do things. There'd be people begging to do things. They'd want to do it. Christ-like love is dedicated tonight. In this passage, and I'll end here, we have a change or a transition. And as you get down past verse 6 and come on into verses 14 and 15 and in there, you see, Jesus moved from the physical to the spiritual aspect, from the literal to symbolic in doing <clears throat> what he said. He said, <clears throat> what I do thou, <clears throat> what I do thou knowest not now. Jesus went beyond the literal when he said that. He said, but thou shalt know hereafter. He was talking to Peter, and, and, and Peter would understand the deeper meaning of this when you get into John chapter 22. You read and you see that 
finally Peter got an understanding of what he was saying there. Jesus talked about them as individuals because all of them were not saved. Judas was unclean. Judas had never been saved in that. And Jesus turned the conversation to symbolism. And uh, he started talking. No longer did he talk about just the dirt that was on their feet and the washing of their feet that was there. But all of us get contaminated by sin tonight. We all get contaminated by sin. If you've been washed in the blood tonight, you've been regenerated. Titus 3.5 says that we're saved by that, the washing and regeneration of that. And we see uh, that we've been washed in that blood and we've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But we get our feet dirty because we walk in this world that's out there tonight and we get dirty by the sin that's there and we need to have our feet washed on a weekly, on a daily, basis we need to come to the to the cross and come to Jesus Christ and have our feet washed and repent and and get out of some of that sin that we're in we're dirty I hope most of you took a bath this morning and you washed your feet when you were in the tub Kim gets on me all the time make sure you wash your feet when you're in there But that's just, I, I, you know, you, you, you do what you do, but we, we clean ourselves up. We clean this, this body up. One of the things that we do as a person on a daily basis is we clean ourselves, or we should have good hygiene when it comes to that. Well, you ought to have good spiritual hygiene tonight, and you ought to clean yourself up because a, a walk out there for a week, man, it'll dirty you up. You need to be cleaned up when you come into the house of God. And he wasn't talking about some ceremony. We can take this and turn it into anything that we want uh, when he was washing one another's feet uh, in this. Jesus wasn't giving a new church ordinance when he was giving this either. It ain't about an ordinance in, in this. It was much more practical and it was much more spiritual than that. Uh, humility is not humility when it's put on display. But it's not being humble when everybody else can see it. It's, it's about doing it when nobody else is looking. That's, that's when God takes notice of it. He doesn't take notice of it when man takes notice of it. Pete, Peter was going to get his feet dirty. We know that he was. Peter, and he had already forgiven Peter, and that's what he was showing him here. He said, you will not know, but you'll know hereafter what it means. You'll understand what it means later on. And Jesus forgave Peter in, in, in chapter 21. Of John. Three times Jesus asked him, You know it, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And, and he had washed it. He knew what he was going to do. And he still washed his feet. That day, Peter didn't understand. Later, he would understand what Jesus was talking about. Jesus will never stop loving you. He was dedicated in that love to those that were around him. Our ministry tonight is to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. That's our ministry tonight, love. And <clears throat> I understand that the Bible talks about hell twice as much as it <clears throat> talks about heaven and the things that are there. And I know that there's things that God hates. But you know what? It's impossible to look down on someone tonight when you're washing their feet. You can't look down on them. We need to have a different approach. And I think the Christian approach to love 
is biblically so much more different than what the world's definition of love is tonight. It's not what you see on TV. It's not what they portray in these books. It's not this love at first glance because <clears throat> the only one that's ever loved me and when he, <clears throat> he's, he's always known me, but when I didn't know him, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. All that garbage that you read, all those tabloids, all that stuff that's out there, everything that's on the internet, all those things out there, that's not love. That right there is love. I remember, and I'll end with this, Brother Dan Davis, when we would go out on visitation, his favorite line when we got in uh, talking to somebody was, did you ever write your sweetheart a love letter when you were in school? And he would say, boy, I remember that. Uh, <clears throat> what was um, Hazel? Miss Hazel, we would pass those letters, love letters back and forth. And I'd take that, I'd take that letter and I'd put it up to my nose. And he said, I could smell Hazel through that letter. He said, I loved that woman so much. I loved her so much. But then he'd say, you know that God has written you a love letter tonight. And that love letter is contained in the pages of this book. And he loves you and he wants to save you. And if you'll accept what he's done for you, I promise you no greater love will you ever find than what you find in that book. And, and Brother Dan, I'll never forget him always using those lines. And he was so right. And so many people, and he led several people to Christ because of that. That's love, folks. We have love tonight in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that we get a dose of humility and be obedient to what God has given us and learn to love one another. That's the commandment that we're to have. Folks, we're not going to love the things that are out there, but we got to learn to love one another and love one another with a more fervent heart as we stand to our feet.